Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at SFBC. This week, Pastor Rod Heppel shares on Jesus' example and challenge of service in our new series, We Serve. Enjoy! Today we're starting a new, short sermon series for the next three weeks called We Serve, with the idea of We Serve Together. Now, if you're at all familiar with Nintendo, the video gaming system, you might recognize uh, these two little nunchuck-style controllers. And they, this was um, Nintendo's way of taking a nuance of, off of the word we, W-E, and putting these two little nunchucks side by side and making their little slogan of we. Now, the rationale for doing this was that you're to play together with someone. And the idea is that it's better to play with someone than to play alone. And I kind of like that idea. In fact, a friend of mine, a mentor friend, uh, Phil Routley, put me onto this idea, and I went and checked it out, and I like it. It is better to play together than to play alone was the idea. Now, the corresponding idea to us as brothers and sisters in Christ is that we're all part of the body of Christ, and it is better to serve together than to serve alone. And so that's kind of the connection between the we serve logo. We serve. But you'll also notice that there's some other words we've put in there to try to help uh, focus our thoughts. We serve for Jesus with each other to reach the world. And so the for Jesus part, it has in mind the fact that it's because of Jesus and what he's done for us that we are motivated to serve. Um, The second part there is about serving together with each other because we're placed into the body of Christ. Yes, we serve as individuals, and Pastor Tim's going to focus on that next week, but we're also on Team Jesus, and we are to work together alongside each other in serving Christ. And then finally, why do we serve? Well, it has an, an, um, an outworking. It has a benefit to others, and that has to do with reaching our world with the good news of Jesus. We serve together because we want people to come to know Jesus as their own Lord and Savior. We serve for Jesus with each other to reach the world. Now, this sounds a whole lot like our short version of our vision statement, which, if you've been around Sardis Fellowship, we've used this for a long time, centered in Christ, visible in community, transforming our world. For Jesus, with each other, to reach our world. Today, we're going to be looking at the for Jesus and with each other part of this three-part slogan, Um, because The for Jesus part really is the motivation as to why we would serve together part. So you need the first one in order to understand the second one. And by design today, this message is going to be very practical. And here's why. I feel like COVID has disrupted our regular rhythms of being able to gather for church life and ministry. At least as we were before COVID. Uh, We haven't been able to meet freely and there's been some restrictions and there's been some challenges and even with some of those being alleviated now, there's still other concerns that are going on that are related to COVID. Along with this reality of not being able to kind of meet and gather and do the things we normally would be doing, is also the reality that our volunteer base has also suffered. There's been an interruption of that. There have been some people who no longer call Sardis Fellowship their home church. And Lord willing, they're actually a part of another church right now and not just not going to church anywhere. But there's also just simply been the disruption of... um, of being involved. And so today's message is really practical because I want to challenge us to re-engage, to re-engage where we can and when we can and how we can, knowing that each person's situation might be a little bit different. Now, some of you are new to Sardis Fellowship, 
In fact, if you were at an in-person service, you would actually see a number of new faces. About 30% of the almost 300 people that attend on a Sunday morning are new to Sardis Fellowship during COVID. And that means that some people have not yet found their place of service, and um, this sermon series is to try to encourage new people to consider where that place of service might be. So come along with me on this little journey over the next three weeks as we kind of take a look at why we serve and how we serve and how you might get involved using the gifts that God has given you. For any of you who've gotten to know me over the years, you know that the serving together part is really close to my heart. I love it. I mean, I love the big events that we do like VBS soccer camp where so many different people and giftings and ages and all that kind of stuff come together to do something we couldn't do on our own. I I love the serving together. We've done lots of things in the past, whether it was Love Chilliwack events or the citywide service here in town or the Mexican soccer outreach that we did for a number of years um, or short-term mission trips that went off to Haiti. I love the connection that comes from serving together and the way in which God gifts the body of Christ to complement one another. But you know, we also serve together on those week-in and week-out regular activities in the life of the church. Things like helping with Sardis kids, or being a youth leader on Wednesday nights, or playing on a worship team, or doing sound or PowerPoint in the service, or ushering, or making coffee, or visiting the sick. Or, or leading a Bible study. There's a hundred different ways that people are involved from week to week serving together. And then there's my absolute favorite once a year event that we do, which is the spring work bee. It's where all the different ages again come together. We weed the flower beds, we cover them with bark mulch. It looks beautiful. I really love the fact that one element here is that we're just trying to be good stewards of this place that God has given us Uh, to worship and minister through, and that that actually has a visible witness to our community as as they look on and know that we take care of this place. But it's also the event itself of people working together. I mean, you have grandma and grandma, you have grandkids, right? And you've got the youth in between and all those different ages, and people are working together to do this. And so there's this togetherness factor, and I believe that that's one of the rewards in serving, is that you get to do stuff together with maybe people that you normally wouldn't be hanging out with. Serving together is a big part of what it means to follow Jesus. The Apostle Paul really makes this point with his illustration of the human body, which he is trying to help us understand that, in essence, this is how a spiritual body works. If we can understand how the human body works, then we'll understand how God has placed us together in his spiritual body. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit is the one who places us into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit... God himself is the one who gifts us for service in the body of Christ. And so this is Paul's analogy, and I want to spend just a few moments looking at some of his verses, some of his words. Paul says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, so got the human body, got the spiritual body. And then later on in the passage, he goes on to say this in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Okay, so this is a great understanding that the Holy Spirit places us together to form the body of Christ. There's individual parts, but we're one body. And what's also important here in his illustration is to understand that there is a head on the body. And the head is Jesus. He is the head of the church. And Jesus has things that he wants the body to do. And so we simply are the ones that are under 
his direction to use the gift that I have or to be the part of the body that I am and to do that with one another to accomplish what the head wants us to do. That's the point. You know, if I were to think to myself um, from my head, right, I want to walk over there and my legs say forget it. Well, then I'm not going to actually get over there. It would take the legs to move the, my mind to do what I purposed. But if my legs cooperated and I wanted to walk over there, but I wanted to walk over there to pick up a book, my legs could cooperate, but my arms might not. Well, then I still wouldn't be able to accomplish my purpose. And the point in this silly illustration is that the head has purposes for us. Christ has purposes for the church. But it takes all the parts working together. It's not just one part or some of the parts. We need all of the parts in order to accomplish what the head wants us to do. Paul goes on to say that we each have different gifts, and this is by God's design. And so verses uh, 18 and following say, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Paul's illustration, um, he's making it very clear that we don't choose for ourselves what part we are or which gifts we have. Uh, this is God's doing, and, and that this is by God's design, that he's gifted us in different ways, and yet we form this one body to carry out his plans and purposes. So one person might be a hand, and the other person might be a foot. One person might be an eye, and the other person might be an ear. And the whole part or point that Paul is making with these different parts is that we need to understand that the whole body makes a whole when we all understand our role. And with no body, then we can't serve the head. So this is a picture that Paul uses to describe the church family. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in Christ's family, his universal church. But you're also in a local church. That's what Sardis Fellowship, just one is. Sardis Fellowship is one local body of believers. And so we're placed together a little bit more uh, intimately within a local body than we are just with the idea that I'm part of the church worldwide. And I know that we understand this principle. We see it on sports teams. Um, not everyone plays offense. Some people play defense. Some people pass the puck really well and other people put it in the net really well. Of course, I'm thinking hockey. Um, you also see it in business, right? You need the people that are out there maybe doing sales and you need the people who are working in a cubicle and just making sure all the information is done, right? So one person's inside and one person's outside and one person's meeting with people and the other person's really good with detail and taking care of accounting and all those different things come together so that the business is successful. So we get it as a principle in life. Uh, one day I was fiddling around with the throttle on my pole saw. I have one of these steel pole saws where you've got a chainsaw on the edge, uh, end of it, or a hedger, and, and you can hedge your trees or cut something. And uh, it, it, the little trigger and the cable that attaches down to the power head came undone. And it didn't look that difficult. I could see how you just needed to connect this cable back up again. But after a half an hour of working with this finicky little thing, I finally gave up. Fortunately, my sanctification in Jesus Christ was retained, but I gave up. My son came over, Jonathan, a little bit later in the day, and he went out and he took a look at it. And within 10 minutes, I heard the thing running and working. And so I went to him and I said, okay, show me exactly what you did, which he did. He showed me exactly how he hooked that back up. And I looked at that and I said, I tried that. I tried that and I couldn't get it to work. And I think that's the difference between a person who is detail-oriented 
and maybe mechanically inclined compared to someone who's not. And so we get the concept of different gifting and how the different gifts working together can accomplish things together that you can't do on your own. We need each other. And I believe that that's part of God's design in giving different gifts in the body is that we need to work together. We have to. God gifts us differently so that we have to work together in order to accomplish his purposes. So the head has plans and the body carries it out. That's what I want you to understand. Now I'm going to come back to this serving together part in a moment, but I want to look at why. The why behind we serve, because I think if we don't understand why we serve, then not only are we not going to be motivated to serve, but I think maybe we could even be serving from the wrong motivation. This was a particular challenge for the early disciples. When they were following Jesus, they just did not understand what it meant to have a servant's heart. And on more than one occasion, Jesus had to teach them this lesson, and eventually it would be the ultimate lesson of Jesus' life because he would die on the cross as this ultimate example of what it means to serve someone. And Mark uh, 10.45 captures that. Um, For even the Son of Man, that's a reference to Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now the mission of Christ was to lay down his life for our salvation, which is the ultimate example of what it means to serve someone. Here's the story that goes with this verse, um, because it's a fascinating story, and it kind of speaks a little bit to our human nature of how we think and operate even today. So it goes like this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's the story behind that that last verse, that key verse there. James and John were pretty prominent leaders in the group of 12, right? Um, They were the ones who had a bit of swagger to them. Uh, It kind of seems like they were fishermen, and it seems like they were successful fishermen. They were also the ones who were feisty. They had at one time said to Jesus, should should we call down fire and and consume an enemy of theirs, right? And so they're these kind of fiery kind of guys, and they probably see themselves as being out front in the group. Um, they probably thought that their request of Jesus was actually fitting to how they saw the group being structured, with them more at the top and the rest of them underneath them. And so they wanted this place of honor in God's kingdom. When Jesus would come into his glory, let one of us sit on your right and the other on the left. And Jesus just simply says to them, you don't know what you're asking. (laughs) You know, they respond, it seems, without hesitating, yes we do, right? But they didn't. 
Jesus asked him, can you drink the cup that I drink? In other words, will you and are you ready to undergo what I'm going to undergo? This drinking the cup, this baptism. I'm not sure what they heard when Jesus asked those two questions. What, what, what were they hearing? Were they just simply hearing, are you ready to kind of walk with me as this leader who's going to lead the nation and, and you're going to be my right and left hand helpers? Was that kind of what the imagery was in mind? Because they weren't really hearing what Jesus was saying about what this meant. What Jesus was saying is, you don't know what you're asking for because you don't know what greatness in my kingdom really looks like. You see, are you ready to pay the price for greatness? And they had the wrong metrics in mind for measuring that. You see, if, it, if you're going to be great in my kingdom, then you're going to have to be the servant of everyone. In fact, you have to be ready to lay down your life. And that's the part they did not get. In fact, they would have had the opposite mentality in mind. They would have seen themselves as capable, confident leaders. And that's what they would have envisioned of being the person who should sit on the right or left of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, no, that's not it at all. They probably thought to themselves, well, if anyone can do this, then yes, we can. And so they answered Jesus very quickly. But the truth is, they have no understanding of what it is that Jesus is truly asking them when he asks those questions. One day they will know. And that's why Jesus says, yes, you will actually drink. And yes, you will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But the truth of the matter is, they still don't know what that is. Jesus, of course, was talking about his own death. And he's challenging them. Can you walk this path of sacrifice if you're wanting greatness in my kingdom? And he puts it like this. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Must be slave of all. Even the son of man. The son of God who came did not come to be served, but to serve. And how would he serve? To give his life as a ransom. You want greatness in God's kingdom? It will cost you your life. And so I think something that we can take away from this is that we serve because he, Jesus, gave his life for us. That's the motivation behind why we would participate and gather and, and serve together. This is what motivates us. Jesus is both the extreme or supreme example to us as well as our true motivation as to why we serve. Once we know for ourselves firsthand that love of Christ shown towards me, that's how he served me and the fact that he gave his life for me, right? Once I understand that, then that becomes the motivation for me to serve others. It's a lot like the principle that Pastor Dave was speaking on last week when he was preaching on giving. He helped us understand this holistically that it takes a heart of gratitude towards God in order to give our money to God. It is out of a heart of gratitude that leads to a heart of contentment, which leads to a heart of generosity. You know, you're not a cheerful giver to God, Dave said, until you realize that all of, you, all of what you have comes from God. So what comes from God, you're willing to give to God. And you are willing to even do it by foregoing things that you would be able to do with your own money, your own money, to do that, because you want to serve God through your money. And so that principle is very much the same for your time and your energy, that once you understand who Christ is in your life and what he's done for you, that you forego things that you would do with your time and energy because you want to serve God. And so you use it for his purposes. An attitude of gratitude leads to a servant's heart, which leads to a life of service. And that's what Christ is calling us to. We serve because Jesus served us. That's our first and that's our true motivation in serving.
So we see this principle again come up in the washing of the disciples' feet. If you're familiar with that story, it happens the night before Christ died on the cross. And, you know, they're having that last supper together and he washes their feet. And and he says he's done this as an example that each of us should follow. Um, The text says, when he, Jesus, had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightfully so, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Now, to be clear, it, it isn't the example of washing the feet that we are to replicate today. It's, it's the example of serving his disciples for a real need at that time, which was dirty feet needed to be washed. And so the example is that Christ was willing to humble himself to wash other people's feet. For us, humbling ourselves to serve someone could look very different, but it's the same principle. That's what we are to do. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus has served us by giving us giving his life for us, and now we serve others. And we do this together. And this becomes a testimony to those who don't yet know Jesus. That's why we have, we serve for Jesus, together with one another, or with each other, to reach the world. One year at soccer camp, I'd asked the Chilliwack Progress if they were willing to come out and um, do a positive story on this community event, which was our VBS soccer camp. So they sent a guy out, and he came to take some photos, and to, um, he asked a bunch of questions so he could write a little story about it. And when he was asking me the questions, the thing that he was noting most were all the volunteers he saw in those volunteer soccer camp shirts. And he's like, how many volunteers do you have here? And I said, about 120. And he just marveled at that. He says, how do you get over 100 people to come out all week, every night, serving these kids, and they're not being paid for it? And I told him about our vision. I said, you know what, these people want to love kids because they believe these kids need to know Jesus. As Jesus has loved us, so we want to pass on that same spirit of love to these kids. And he just shook his head in disbelief because he said, you know, you're not making any money off of this. And I said, actually, no, not at all. Our church subsidizes quite heavily uh, the camp. And not only that, we we offer free scholarships for families that maybe can't even um, pay the fee, the the reduced fee, the subsidized fee. And I said, and you know what, we even have... um, a little thing in there where if families have more than two kids, they don't have to pay for the third or fourth or fifth kids. And we've had some of that. We've had six kids at one time in our VBS soccer camp. And so uh, he, was, he was just marveling at this, this act of generosity and the volunteerism, and, and there's no gain for it. And when it came to me thanking him at the end for coming out and being willing to take these photos and write a little story in the progress, he said, you know what? He said, no, thank you. He said, these are the kind of stories I love covering in our community. Because so often there seems to be, if, if we get a call, could you come out and, and you know, show what we're doing? It's almost like a sales pitch. It's almost like, please cover our story because we know it'll make us look good in the community and then we'll get some kind of a feed, like money, sales from our business or whatever. He said, but you guys are doing it just to love these kids. And he thought that was awesome. You know, this is not the only story where a person has noted the volunteer spirit of VBS soccer camp. Uh, many times I've been on the sidelines having conversations with parents. And they'll say something like this. They'll say, how do you do this? And I know that they probably are looking at the whole thing that looks overwhelming. 
But what they really have in their question there is, how do so many volunteers willingly come out and do this, let alone the organizational ability of it? And before we can answer the, um, you know, the, the how part, you, you start with the why. You know, people do it because they love Jesus. And, and once people love Jesus, then the how comes afterwards. Then it follows. We do it because Jesus is worth it. And so the how is answered by the why. It's Jesus. People do it also because they know that there's real joy in serving. And sometimes we don't think that way. But it is. There's real joy in serving, especially when you're serving together. Um, you might call this the benefits of serving or just the joy of serving. But when we serve and when we serve together, we honor God by using our gifts to glorify him and the body of Christ is built up. Um, that's the second one. When we serve God and we use our gifts, right? The body's encouraged. Our victories are team victories. Things that God chooses to do as a team go far beyond our ability as an individual to do it. And soccer camp, again, is a great example of that. I mean, look at all the different gifts you need in order for that to work. God chooses to do something in and through us and as a team that is very rewarding. Others are blessed. I mean, think about it. If you're preparing meals at Ruth and Naomi's mission, people are being fed. And you get to see that direct connection between your hand of service and them being the recipients of that blessing. But it's the same principle all the way throughout any kind of service, even if you don't see the end result to your serving. See, sometimes you're serving behind the scenes, and you don't necessarily see the outcome of your service. Or, or maybe it's years down the road. You don't know. I mean, if you're a parent and you're serving your kids, sometimes it's years before you see any return on that investment. Serving. We get to know one another when we serve together, and I think that's a huge blessing. I, I've seen friendships come out of that, where, where people genuinely get to know each other and appreciate each other, appreciate each other and become friends. But you know what? There's another side to serving, and that is that it's sacrifice. It takes time and energy and sometimes even money when you're serving. And there will be times that you said yes to something, and you wished in the end that you had said no. And there will be times when you're tired and you just don't feel like doing it. And there will be times that the joy is just not there in serving. So I want to be realistic. Uh, sometimes there's great reward and joy, and other times it's, it's hard. But here's what I think that we need to remember. In serving Jesus in those hard times, when maybe there's not the joy, and maybe there is the sacrifice, and maybe you just don't feel like it, maybe it's in those moments when we follow through and do it that we're closest to the heart of God, that we're capturing more closely what it was that Christ was calling us to when he said, I'd set, I have set an example that you should do as I've done for you. So in closing, and as I said at the beginning, this is a very practical uh, sermon today. I want to focus on something very practical. Um, we've put together a little form that you can get online whereby we're calling it the uh, We Serve Opportunities form. And if you were to go to sardisfellowship.com, you'll find it right on the front page, a little black box that says that We Serve Opportunities form. And you click on it, and it'll open up to look something like this, which I don't expect that you're able to read because it's a form. Um, but it looks like this, and it's online, and it'll have little check boxes. What this form is, is I've tried to lay out the various ways within the life of our church that you could participate and use your gifts and your passion. And maybe you, you know your gifting and your passion, and on, at the beginning I've asked you just to put that down. Like if you know your gifting, I'm a leader, okay, you're a leader, what's your passion? 
I'm a leader and I love working with children. Okay, so then the passion would go along with the age group and, and I mean the gifting would go along with the passion. You put it together and we help you find an area of serving. So it's just an opportunity for you to check something off and say that's where I think my gifting lies or my interest lies. And then we help um, connect those dots. We bring them together. But you might be thinking, but Rod, we're watching online and we're not there in person. Good pickup. I was thinking about that too. Because a lot of what we do together here is in person. So how do I serve as an online person? And I think there are avenues. And I'll start by sharing a few here. We have a prayer team, but it, it's an email prayer team. So if you were to, again, go to our website and click on uh, prayer request, you will see that you can sign up to be on our prayer team and receive um, these, these prayer requests from people in our congregation. So people will submit prayer requests during the week and then they get emailed out to people who pray for them. And if you want to be a part of that, you can speak with Tim Voth uh, or Ingrid Peters and we'll get you on that team. Ingrid Peters also oversees a care team, a care ministry. And uh, that team comes together and meets in person, but you could also zoom in for this. You could be a part of praying for people who have specific needs. You could be a part of um, knowing who shut-ins or people who might be lonely and needing a phone call or a card or some people at certain times, maybe even a meal. These are ways in which you could be a part of a care ministry. And we're hoping to get to the place where we are live streaming, which you might be thinking, well, isn't this live streaming? No, it's not. This is a pre-recorded service on Friday morning that gets released on Sunday morning. So yes, I'm preaching to a camera right now with no one in the auditorium. It's me, it's you. We would love to get to the place where we are live streaming. And when we do, there's opportunities because there's people who start watching online and they have questions in what's called a chat room. And maybe you would be a person who would love to connect with other people who start asking questions while they're watching our worship service online. There's also computer work, data entry type stuff. You could lead a Bible study by Zoom. And of course, you can give financially, which is also serving. Give to the work of the Lord through Sardis Fellowship. So these are some of the ways that I've come up with. But maybe you know another way that I haven't thought of. And I would love to hear from you if you have other ideas of how you can serve as a person who's online that watches this and is not in person. It could be that you feel comfortable too coming out to something in person if it's not indoors. Uh, so maybe a VBS soccer camp gives an opportunity where you're outside, you could be a bathroom monitor, a first aid attendant, you could be a part of the snack and hospitality crew, you could be someone that's serving outside on the sidelines with the little kids who aren't a part of the bigger kid program and there's like the crafts and the face painting and what we call Kids Central. So if that's of interest to you, again, you can just go to our homepage. You'll see the big soccer camp coming up. You click on that logo, and then it takes you to another page where you can sign up as a volunteer for VBS Soccer Camp, which is coming up July 4th to 8th. And even if you don't sign up to do that, please be in prayer. Lastly, I want to give a few qualifiers. Everyone's life situation is a little bit different. And, um, and you at this time might not be able to serve in the way in which you once did. And it could be that you're serving with a, an unusual need even within your home or the stage of life that you're at where maybe you're taking care of elderly parents or you have special needs in your home and you have to give all of your time and energy and you're like, Rod, this feels like a burden. I don't want it to be a burden. I don't want one more thing put on your back. You're serving God where he has you and he knows that and we bless you. Some of you embody this servant heart mentality to the max and actually what you need to hear this morning is you need to be careful. You might need to say no more than you say yes because you say yes to too much, right? 
And I don't think that's God's will for any of us either. Thirdly, you may be wondering, well, what does it look like exactly? Or what are you asking by way of a commitment? And that's a bit of a loaded question because it's like, what is our expectation? Well, first of all, it's not our expectation. It's what does Christ want of us? And I think that's what you have to answer. How are you gifted? What are you passionate about? What is Christ asking you to be a part of? But if you're asking me as a rule of thumb, what, what would the church be kind of thinking a person who's healthily committed and involved and a follower of Christ would look like? I would say no more than like a major and a minor. A major might be a time commitment that's quite large or preparation that goes into something. And a minor might be, I just show up and I'm a helping hand. So a major or a minor, if that's helpful for you. And lastly, some of you give a lot of your time in serving in our community, and that counts too. You know, I was thinking about the things that I've heard from people in our congregation and how they serve. I've heard of those who are coaches in sports teams, those who help organize hampers at Salvation Army. Some of you serve meals at Ruth and Naomi's Mission. Some of you go to Cyrus Center and serve meals there. One person is a member of the Christian Motorcyclist Association, and their whole point is to go to different community events to be a visible witness of Christ at those events and to serve in any way they can. Uh, there's those who work in the community gardens, and while that's an interest or a hobby, it's also an opportunity to connect with people and serve others. So I celebrate, and we celebrate, your involvement in community. That's one of the values that we have as well. So while this morning I've been focusing on what it means to serve together within the life of Sardis Fellowship, we also very much know that we're called to be salt and light for Christ in our community. I think the words of Peter in 1 Peter 4.10 are a great summary of what I've been trying to challenge us to consider today. Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. However God has gifted you, however God has given you a passion with whatever time you have to give, give your gift back to God through serving as a good steward in the various forms. We serve for Jesus with each other to reach the world. And that's my challenge to us this morning. Would you please close with me in prayer? Father, thank you for the body of Christ. This is a beautiful thing to be a part of uh, a place where you have placed us together. We know one another, we care for one another, but we also get to serve together. And Lord, I pray that with the upcoming things like VBS soccer camp that are quite large and need a lot of different people with different gifts, I pray once again we will come together to do that. And it might be seen as a witness to our community who would ask the question, why or how do you do that? And that we could point them to Jesus and his love for each of us. So lead us to that end. Bless each person who considers filling out the We Serve Opportunities form. And Lord, for each home that's represented, I pray your blessing on them this week. In Christ's name I ask, amen. Well, God bless you. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.